Peeking behind the scenes, this is The Cast from Buxton Opera House. Hello and welcome to The Cast from Buxton Opera House. I'm Helen and I'll be bringing you our monthly podcast which gives you exclusive backstage access to the theatre in the hills. We'll be chatting with producers, directors, performers and crew. You'll also hear masterclasses with some of our creatives and history from the people who know the Opera House the best and of course much much more. If you like what you hear, please make sure that you follow, review and share the cast from Buxton Opera House. To find out all the latest news from the shows and to join our mailing list, check out buxtonoperahouse.org.uk. So this episode, we are very lucky to have Charles Cusack-Smith and Phil R. Daniels joining us. They are the set designers for A Little Night Music, which is directed by our very own chief executive, Paul Kerrison. If you want to know a bit more about A Little Night Music, or indeed Paul, I'd recommend that you go back to episode one and episode two of the cast from Buxton Opera House and give it a listen. A Little Night Music is open in Buxton International Festival on the 8th of July and it's here with us through to the 24th of July. Now, back to this very talented duo. They have worked across the world together. They have co-designed for drama, musical, operas. Notably, they have designed for National Theatre, the BBC, and also 30 of their designs have just been acquired by the Victoria and Albert Museum for their permanent collection. So, Charles and Phil, how did you start working together? I I believe that Paul Kerrison, our chief executive, may have had a role in bringing that about. We uh, designed individual shows for us. We were both uh, individual designers, but ran a company together. And then Paul actually said to us once, he asked Charles to design a show. He couldn't because he was busy and Mm. I couldn't because I was busy. But he said, well, why don't you both do it? And so we did. And then... It was so successful that since that time, both Charles and I have worked together internationally, haven't yeah. we? So, so was, he, he was responsible, actually, for, <laughs> for getting us to work so closely together over the years. And we're talking about it now going back about 31 years. <laughs> <laughs> this year's not over yet. <laughs> no, you never know. So you have been very much in demand. Um, where has your work taken you so far? Well, currently we're working in Latvia, and Poland and Australia. And they've all been postponed, of course, but mm. they're all starting to happen again. So it's getting very, very busy. But, uh, but over the years, we've worked mainly in Germany, Hong Kong, Estonia. And Austria. Austria, We France. Actually, during the first lockdown, we, we designed a production of Fledermaus, you know, the bat, mm. for a German company. And they updated it to 2020. So. We had to design a COVID-safe set and costumes. And so we ended up with all the chorus being in individual cubicles that were covered by a gauze. And when they were necessary to be heard to be singing, then you'd be illuminated in each cabinet. And we did it, yeah, in modern dress. And so, of course, in that act two, it is a masked ball, so there was no, no problem there. Everyone actually had the medical mask, but then they had an ornate mask on top, so it was, it was it worked well. Yeah, we, we designed that in Great Britain and then sent it all out. Um, actually, no, we did. We were able to travel, weren't we? We were able to leave the model there and the costume designs. And then we couldn't 
go. They, they did, we did everything remotely, costume fittings via Zoom, uh, the builders via Zoom. And then we went just for the production yeah. weeks, didn't we? But they made a beautiful job of it. Yeah, they could only have 80 people in the audience. Although it was a small house, it only seated 320, I think. So we had 80 people in the audience. We had a premiere. And I think it was four days later, Germany became very bad and it was just cancelled completely. And uh, what they did on New Year's Eve, they, they, they let it be seen worldwide for nothing, for anyone who wanted to watch it, which was lovely. All in all, it has been uh, a very difficult year for theatre. It's been very tough for our colleagues, especially the performers, you know, the singers, the actors and, and dancers. Al and also within theatre, uh, the creative people behind the scenery and the costumes uh, and the wigs. Yeah. Um, they're all freelance. And so um, it's been horrific because literally all, all their work finished because we, we find that people that work in theatre like us do it because we really love theatre. We have done some things in more commercial, commercial like rock shows and stuff like that and a bit of TV but we haven't enjoyed it as much as we do theatre so the makers tend to be known you know for doing uh, theatrical making and they're very talented but they're all doing it in their own homes yeah, with homes, yeah. little studios mm -hmm. in the basement or whatever and so for the last 14 months their work has literally yeah. disappeared uh, so you know but we're very adaptable theatre gypsies, yeah. so we're all doing things in supermarkets. We, if you're in a supermarket and someone's singing, they're probably, probably a Western <laughs> star. Yeah. So. We, we designed the current tour of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and uh, that obviously that was cancelled on the, the march, and we had 20 people in the company, and now it's returning on the 21st of June, and there's 10 new members because the actors have decided they're not going to do it. They're going to do something else. They're going to do a it's job that they can't be let down on you know because a lot of these actors that was it they weren't furloughed they were just sorry you're not getting paid there's been a lot of obviously um streaming of theater things during this period but there is nothing there's like, nothing like the there's nothing thing, like you know. everyone sitting together in an auditorium and then people you know coming out with adrenaline and doing the performance in front of an audience and having the response from an audience changes their performance each night mm -hmm. slightly um and so, you know, it's a live, living organism and the audience is just as much a part of the creative process as everything else. So uh, although lots of people, when they're sitting just watching a play, may think they're not really involved in it, they're just watching it. But from the actor's point of view yeah, and the performer's yeah. point of view, they're, they're all part of it because they can feel the emotions of the people watching. So. Uh, for us, to be honest with you, the things that have seemed quite emotional recently is when you see some people in auditoriums or even football stadiums, you can see football players, how they react to yeah. having somebody watching them because, you know, it's something that we haven't been experiencing for quite a long time and we haven't realised how much that human contact is really a really important part of our creative process. It really does feel like things are starting to kind of head in the right direction now. Um, how are you feeling about getting started on a little night music? Yeah, well, we're both uh, excited about it because uh, we know how Paul works. You know, we know how he can 
make a musical spectacular just by his direction and his the image, imaging that he makes on stage, you know, the way he sets up a scene. And so this this has been a great one to design, hasn't it? Uh, the design for this has been... Because um, he had a clear concept. had a really beginning. clear concept. Yeah. And so uh, when you see it, it's very stylized and it's, I think, very artistic. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, a love, it's a lovely piece. One of the things that we were really sad about is when everything got shut down, we thought, oh, that piece, I wish we could have seen that piece on stage. And mm -hmm. now, of course, we will see it on stage. So um, we're very much yeah. looking forward And so, to you know, it's set in the sort of 1899, 1900s, but we're, we're not getting, um, we're not actually doing historical replications mm -hmm. in the costume side of it. We decided to do it more stylized so that it's just all these lovely, elegant people. For anybody that has got tickets for A Little Night Music or perhaps has never seen A Little Night Music before, what is it about this production that's just so special? What, pe what can people expect? Because of the way that Stephen Sondheim writes musicals, um, this one particularly is the most operatic. You know, because it, it constantly changes from one room to the next, mm -hmm. and then sometimes it's doubled up with, you know, that in the same scene, that t two people singing against mm -hmm. each other, and, and sometimes five. But also, it's not like um, uh, he's always viewed things as a, like, almost like a, an operatic thing, that yeah. whereby there's no right finish, this is a big number, mm -hmm. tra-la. You know, big you know, applause, round it's, applause it's nothing button, like that, that kind yeah. of thing. It's it's like symphonic. Yeah. So the set does that as well, mm. and we're hoping um, that it will be quite dreamlike in certain aspects yeah. because it's semi-transparent. The set, yeah. so. and we have the bonus of the fantastic actors that are being cast. Obviously, you have had to deal with the problem of lockdowns during preparation for this production. How has that gone? Costume-wise, you've been doing things via Zoom. Via, via Zoom. And I think we're going to start doing the fittings on the first day of rehearsals as well. So mm -hmm. that's, and that'll be a challenge, of course, because of the regulations for COVID of, you know, it's trying to keep people in separate bubbles still. I think mm -hmm. that's the intention. I mean, also with it, within the productions we've been doing during COVID, I mean, what you have to remember is you have like the costumes in quarantine. So they go somewhere and they have to be in a room for two days. So yeah. anything sort of... Like in the shop, like, you know. Like and then you... they try them on, but then yeah. no one else can try them on. And if you have a prop, you can't give you can't... somebody else the prop. So you have to think directorially, who's holding that? Where does it go? Is that, you know, so everything has to become... Yeah. So it will mean that in the wings of the stage management, as soon as a prop's put back on the prop's table, they have to cleanse it, just in case someone else does have to use it, you know? So it's, it's tricky. It's tricky, and we, yeah. we, we, the, the shows we've been doing, actors are actually in bubbles quite a lot, aren't they? In the sense that, you know, it's very difficult because, of course, actors would love to go out and socialise after. Yeah after a show and we did a, a, we a reduced pantomime yeah, this year in December, uh, but normally Chilman. you know it finishes and they've done like two shows a day and they all want to go to the pub and of course <laughs> no pub and so <laughs> they all have to socialize within themselves you know in a, you know in like a yeah. little and we had to do it without dressers because the actors because they're in their own bubble they were only seven of them luckily mm. it was rewritten just for seven people um and then the actors had to do the quick changes for each other. I mean, this last year has been 
Well, it's just been really quite challenging for the theatre industry. Um, not only have we gone through lockdowns, but now we are obviously abiding to the social distancing restrictions, which hopefully it won't be too long before those restrictions are lifted. But I mean, how how has it made you feel? What challenges do you think the theatre industry has had to face by abiding to the social restrictions. The big problem with theatre um, producers is that a show doesn't make any money if it's like a touring show mm-hmm. unless you have 80% box office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the commercial, more commercial work can't be performed and make money unless you have enough people in the auditorium. Um, so that's a challenge for you know the whole industry. And so we are all hoping that the vaccine, vaccines of all, you know, people take responsibility and have their vaccines and that we all can, you know, meet up together because otherwise it will be very difficult for, you know, on, you know, more national tour kind of things. So. We have to wait and see. So the performance of A Little Night Music obviously sadly had to be postponed for a year. How has that been for you? And so we'd finished the design as 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 far as we could and then uh, lockdown happened and then uh, very quickly the festival said we definitely want to do this still so mm. make sure you know that we will still do it in the future so um, we kept everything, and then now the builders can work and you can get costumes. Yeah, they're making out as we speak mm-hmm. now, aren't they? When we finally get back into the auditorium and we get to see a little night music, how do you think audiences are, are going to react uh, to a little night music after being away for so long? Well, the, the sort of first notes in the, a little night music will immediately make the audience Oh, wow. It's just... We're not going to tell you what happens, <laughs> but something happens to begin with that's worth coming to And then just to say, you know, we've got... The, the, there's a quintet in it, which is these three ladies and two men. I think they're all quite young opera singers at the moment. And they're like a, a bit like a Greek chorus. They, they travel throughout every scene. And they're sort of designed to look a bit like the scenery as well. Not that they look like trees, but their colours are quite similar to the set. It actually takes more work and uh, creativity to make it stylized than doing a historical replication of something, really. Because, mm. you know, you're, 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 lots of things you have to think won't work if it's so real with a set mm. that's not so real, mm. you know. So you have to be selective on the props and things so that they're very clear to the audience what What's happening? What's happening? But yeah. Paul's a great director for making you believe what's happening yeah. just physically without too much. And of course, we've got the lighting as well, which is another significant part of the creative mm. side of it. And we've got a young lighting designer, mm. which we not, we haven't worked with him before, but I think it's going to be a really good collaboration. I mean, I feel that uh, what the audience we'll probably see is a lot of enthusiasm from the creative people on stage because they'll be so happy to be back in 
the place that they know and also everyone wants to do a really good job to get it all going again you know so it's not like oh we've just done five shows and now we've got to do another show and you know it's it's like oh god we're working again it's fantastic so hopefully that will come across the footlights as yeah. well so. and we're going to be working with uh David Leonard, who we know, because we worked with him for many years at York Theatre Royal, and he, he'd been the baddie there for 35 years, I think. And <laughs> I he's a fantastic guy. in your Edward II with Eddie yes, and right, stuff yeah. like that. And then we're working with a choreographer that we haven't worked with for 30 odd years. And so it's really lovely because we're all, and we've worked with Paul mm. a long time ago. And so it's really lovely that we're all coming together and it's like, um, it's, it's really nice, it's like old times. It's like a reunion. Yeah, yeah, a big reunion. Let's hope it's a nice one. <laughs> it just all sounds just so amazing. And obviously you are just ecstatic to be back where you belong in the theatre. Um, what is it that you're really looking forward to most? Looking forward to seeing an audience in these empty seats. It's, yeah. it's lovely for me. Uh, to be working with painters and carpenters again because I forgot how much for us as designers what you see on stage is a big um, it's a big team effort so you know before the actors get there there is uh, prop makers and there are scenic artists and there are carpenters and costume there are maker. costume makers and there are cos props people and there are makeup artists and all this kind of thing and we're all we work with all of those people before the actors actually get here and we'd forgotten how much we missed actually having people reproduce our work um, and so it's been quite emotional for some people when we phoned them up and we said, right, we're going ahead. And, you know, that we can talk to them again about braids and buttons and, and you know, like emulsion paint. <laughs> I'd like to say a big thank you to this hugely talented duo, Charles and Phil, for joining us this episode, telling us more about those sets for A Little Night Music. Personally, I can't wait to see those sets, those dreamlike sets, on stage here at Buxton Opera House. A Little Night Music is here between the 8th and the 24th of July. I will say tickets are selling very fast though, so if you want your ticket to see those sets, you better get them now. I'd also like to say a big thank you to Buxton International Festival and our local paper, Buxton Advertiser, for helping organise this interview and bring it about. Thanks very much. The cast from Buxton Opera House. Only when you work in theatre. We are here with Emma Gersh, the artistic director of the Moving Stories Theatre Company, uh, and um, she's taking part in our feature Only in the Theatre, which is covering the funny stories that happen to you only when you work in theatre. So, Emma, what is the funniest thing that you've kind of experienced or has happened to you while you've been working in the theatre? I'm giggling just to even think about it. So um, it's got to be 2011 I directed um, a sort of mammoth outdoor production of West Side Story for the Minac Theatre. I don't know if you yeah, know of I it. Huge amphitheatre carved into the cliff edge in Cornwall, this outstanding landscape. 
extraordinary things always happen there but this has to kind of be the the winner from the many years I've been working there um it was in between a matinee and an evening performance and we were doing our sound checks and I saw the theatre director Phil Jackson who actually is just about to retire and I was thinking about this story recently for his memory book um he was walking down the um the steps towards the stage it's this kind of almost sheer drop down the cliff um, with another chap who was holding uh, a big pot and he's coming towards me with quite a sort of stern face and I realised he wanted to have a quiet word with me so Phil took me aside and he said Emma this is so and so and um, you carry on exactly with what you're doing with warming up and sound checking and everything it was, we had a company of a hundred there including a full-scale orchestra so it was chaos on the stage you can imagine Um, But he has actually come to scatter the ashes of his wife, Bridget, off the back of the stage of the Menac, which, of course, goes straight out to the Atlantic Ocean. Um, And I said, oh, my gosh, of course, you you know, please give me the word and I'll tell everyone to just give him five minutes of of space on his own. And he said, no, no, he was quite insistent. And in fact, he he came and spoke to me and said, no, this is exactly what Bridget would have wanted. You know, she loved this theatre. We came every summer and she loved the, the noise and the hubbub and would have loved to have seen your company preparing for a show. I said, okay. Um, and we didn't really mention it to the rest of the company because we thought it might unnerve them a little bit. So off he went um, to the back of the stage and disappeared out of view. And a couple of moments later, I heard blood-curdling screams coming from the lower walkway, which is where our very young, inexperienced, work-experienced girls were preparing the costume rail for the very many costume changes that happen in between the show. And the screams were coming from that direction. (laughs) So I went running down, told the rest of the company to just carry on. Everything was fine. And if I tell you, they were head to toe, grey, in Bridget. Um, It would be an understatement. And they were in complete shock. Obviously, the ashes had come straight back on on a wind and a gale back from the, the sea. And... Phil Jackson, the theatre manager, then just simply said, just run, run into the sea and get in and wash her off. So I never forget the image of these two screaming, squealing ASMs running down these kind of 150 steps down the back of the Minac towards this beautiful cove. And into they just ran into the sea and... Um, the cast never knew. We had a piece of work to do to get the costumes ready for the evening performance. But she was very much with us in spirit, let's oh, say that definitely. much. Well, she probably would have quite liked that. I think she got her wish. Oh, thank you very much for sharing that with us, Emma. Thank you. God bless Bridget. Well, that's it for this time. We'll be here next month with some more news, interviews and behind-the-scenes info at Buxton Opera House. Make sure you either hit the subscribe button or follow us so you don't ever miss an episode. I'll see you next month for more from The Cast at Buxton Opera House. That was The Cast from Buxton Opera House. Please follow and subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.